Welcome to the U.S. Physiatry Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Lupinacci, Chief Medical Officer. And I'm Craig DiTomaso, the Director of Early Career Physician Development, and we will be your hosts. Physical medicine and rehabilitation is a dynamically evolving specialty with an increasingly challenging and sometimes tumultuous medical world. This podcast is designed to present you with an analysis of facts, expert opinions, and current challenges in the practice of physiatry. U.S. Physiatry is a large and diverse group, and our intent is to present an equally diverse spectrum of viewpoints. It is our perspective that we, as a specialty, must approach these issues with honesty and optimism to advocate to the patients we care for. Our intent is to partner with our colleagues to advance our specialty and to improve your work lives at all stages of your practice. If you have any further comments, questions, or concerns, please contact us at Mike Lupinacci at usphysiatry.com or Craig DiTomaso at usphysiatry.com. We welcome your feedback, questions, and comments, and thank you for listening. I've been instructed to start this session with the following. Each view expressed today is solely the view of the person expressing that view. You should not interpret what you hear today as the opinion or advice of U.S. Physiatry, post-acute physicians, or any of their managers, officers, or other representatives. In addition, you should not interpret what you hear today as professional, medical, legal, business, or other advice for you in particular. If you are seeking that type of advice or opinion, you should speak directly with your own professional advisor. That person will know your particular facts and circumstances. We take very seriously the medical advice our professionals provide to our patients, and that advice is always focused exclusively on that individual patient, taking into account all the facts and circumstances facing that patient after a thorough examination. With those caveats, we can begin. Welcome, everyone, to the U.S. Physiatry Podcast. We have uh, an, an amazingly special uh, treat today with our, our, our guest, who is joining us from a very busy year. Uh, Dr. Deb Vanessary is uh, joining us uh, as the AAPMNR uh, president, and we're delighted to have her. I know this is an extraordinarily busy time with her academy uh, annual meeting coming up in Baltimore. So I, I just thank her profusely for spending some time with us. Uh, I've worked with Deb for many years on and off uh, with the academy and a number of uh, uh, ventures uh, since the academy is our main representation formally for our specialty. And Deb's background is a, a, a profuse number of pages that I'll try to summarize, <laughs> but uh, Deb uh, is at the Cleveland Clinic. She uh, was uh, formerly the vice chair of the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, and currently she uh, works in the uh, Cleveland Clinic's Neurological Institute, where she does a combination of ambulatory adult spine, uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation, and electromyography. She was the medical director of the Ohio State University Spine Center in Columbus, Ohio. She did her residency at PMNR at the Ohio State University and uh, has done an inordinate amount of work with the American Academy, having been uh, on multiple uh, committees, chairing multiple committees. She served on the Board of Governors prior to ascending to the presidency and 
Uh, she was named Cleveland's one of Cleveland's top docs uh, uh, in, in, in her great city of Cleveland, and she's a, a huge Browns fan. But yeah, I'll especially her... after last night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So uh, I'm going to open up the, uh, uh, the discussions. We have with us today uh, Dr. Craig DiTomaso, who uh, is uh, working uh, alongside me to bring our podcast to life. And I thank him very much for that. He will also be um, having some questions for you uh, as well along the way. But my first opening question is, the presidency year is, is really challenging and rewarding, and, and I can clearly speak from experience. Right. And it's a broad view, and it's a very special look at our, our specialty with the amount of knowledge that that is imparted to you with the viewpoints you have from the leadership level. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really, uh, I really would love to hear what, what issues have, have become your primary focus of interest and efforts because you have had a very different view of the field, a unique view, a very special view uh, and an important view. So I'm, I, I'd like you to, to let us know what those thoughts are that you have. Sure, Michael. And uh, Michael and Craig, thank you so much for the opportunity to share some of my ideas with you and your your group. And just to clarify my last name, (laughs) it rhymes with Tennessee, even though I'm not from there. So Venezuela, Tennessee. Tennessee. It's always good for like a head injured person to try to pronounce my last name. And I could have made it easier by uh, having a taken my husband's last name, which is Clark, but that would just be way too simple. But anyway, um, in regards to <laughs> issues that have evolved around our primary interest or my, my focus over the year, really the main thing has been to communicate the value of PM&R, of what we bring to patient care and healthcare broadly, as well as our vision. I'm preaching to the choir because you certainly know um, about our academy, but we have about 10,000 members, about 9,000, about maybe 9,700, and that excludes medical students. So with medical students, it's over 10,000, so about 10,600. And we represent uh, physicians through all 50 states and 41 countries, and we have over 600 volunteers every year. And I think over the past year, certainly, um, I think the Long COVID Learning Collaborative over the past two years has been amazing. So in regards to defining what has happened over these past couple of years, in March of 2021, the Academy launched a multidisciplinary PASC Learning Collaborative. And this is with 50 or 60 experts to develop One, clinical guidance to improve quality of care, and second, to provide education and resources to improve um, care and health equity. And I have, as you know, I kind of pop in or zoom into some of these meetings, and the learning collaborative is just absolutely amazing. There, as I said, there are 50 or 60 people that meet They've been meeting monthly since March of 2021 in the evening for two hours, and then they meet thereafter. And through all of that learning collaborative throughout the country, they have shared five consensus consensus guidance statements. So that is just truly amazing. The other thing with the national call to action from last March 
um, we've really expanded our media presence. So because of that national call to action and all of the things that we've been doing with long COVID, we've had more connections with the government, CDC. Um, I was on a call with HS, HHS, uh, World Health Organization. I mean, it's really been amazing. And um, through those media contacts, they've really reached out to the Academy, the New York Times uh, DJ Kennedy and I talked with a New York Times um, reporter, which was super cool. So we've gone into from our long COVID types of things in regards to media presence to what what I do day in and day out, which is managing patients with chronic back pain. And uh, so that's been really um, one of the things that I've done. In my own way, I've tried to do a little bit more from a PR perspective with LinkedIn. You and I are on LinkedIn and as a way to raise up other physiatrists, what the academy is doing. I want our colleagues, our friends, our family to know what the heck a physiatrist is and what we're doing. And that's my small little way of trying to raise up um, what my colleagues, our colleagues are doing across the country. Uh, Dan and I, my husband and I have two kids. Our daughter is in college and our son is uh, in Cincinnati. And uh, when I started getting into the LinkedIn, our daughter said, like, I was pretty shocked at how many people were responding to things. And she's like, welcome to social media, mom. <laughs> and my, our son too has also been, they're probably the best uh, likers of the things that I do. And the other thing that I've really tried to do over the past year is just be as courageous and vulnerable, quite vulnerable in regards to the things that um, I've brought up. So hopefully that it's a long answer to a very simple <laughs> question, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> a long, great answer, though, to an exciting year. Um, yeah. So uh, one thing I wanted to, to bring up is um, obviously our, our organization works primarily in the inpatient world, which you know. And so the inpatient settings, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago on an academy mm -hmm. call, are growing in size and location and volumes. Uh, we clearly have increasing workforce issues as our, po our population ages. And, and I know you were involved in our expert panel and you were carefully listening to everyone's mm -hmm. Uh, comments and I'm interested. What thoughts do you have? You know, as you as you as your uh, presidential year, um, you know, reaches its apex on how what how can the academy try to help plan for these for these changes and the needs of the the uh, the inpatient population. Never mind the broad needs in medicine. Uh, yeah. Just a, our our little part of the pie. Yeah, in regards to workforce. Yes. Yeah. Uh, clearly, as you know, um, our academy, the Board of Governors, and really, I'd say all the, vo the physician volunteers were really deeply concerned with uh, scope of practice and workforce issues. And this, you know, this is more than just PM&R, but certainly all physicians. Um, one of the things, so this is a high priority for us. We believe that telehealth, digital health might be one way that we could extend our reach because it's one of those areas that's cross-cutting across all of our bold practice areas like um, rehab care continuum, which would be inpatient through outpatient through, you know, home health, et cetera, um, MSK spine practice, 
pediatric practice, cancer practice, you know, all of those. So telehealth, we're really thinking is something that might be able to help extend our reach. Um, as I said, we are clearly aware of the scope of practice issues and workforce issues. Things that I think that we're doing to address that, one of the other questions was, you know, how do we balance that, um, is that the academy is certainly very committed to addressing physician burnout. And we have, we're involved with a tri-organizational work group, research group, so that's with the AAP, the Association of Academic Physiatrists, the American Board of PM&R, as well as the Academy. So we're doing research on burnout. And we also joined the Regulatory Relief Committee, so that's with the AMA. So again, looking at um, physician shortage, burnout, those things that are super important for all physicians as well as for PM&R. And as you um, alluded to, I really just listened to the inpatient work group. Um, you know, what's happening with <laughs> inpatient rehab? It certainly has changed a great deal in regards to when I was in training. Uh, we are everywhere. We're you know, hospital, we're inpatient rehab, we're subacute rehab, we're LTAC, we're home health, and how do we, <laughs> where do we fit? And that's certainly the survival of our specialty. Um, I don't know what else I can answer for you in regards to... I think that covers it well. Okay. <laughs> Craig, did you want to uh, address Deb? Um, <clears throat> I think probably the, the appropriate follow-up question to that is that um, you know, given the pitfalls of um, telehealth and the limitations of what it can and cannot address, plus the scope, as you mentioned, how do we ensure as we move forward in your eyes that the magic that makes the physiatry uh, persists, right? Because it's easy mm -hmm. to dilute that down or to minimize it and to delegate some of the lesser tasks or the more surface um, issues mm -hmm. to an NP or a PA, but really, mm -hmm. there isn't any substitute in my mind for having that physiatrist work one-on-one -on -one with that patient, come up with an appropriate rehabilitation plan and begin to execute it. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on how we kind of preserve that? It's paramount to our, our members and to our board as well as the academy. The um, In regards to, I, I, I think what you're trying to, like that secret sauce of what physiatry or physical medicine and rehab is. Certainly, um, from an academy perspective, it's supporting the telehealth to maintain coverage payment so we can maintain that part. Um, it's, um, what other things would, I mean, I'm not sure I can answer all of that in regards to, it's, it's certainly very vital to, um, and vitally important to what, what we believe is important for PM&R the specialty. Um, I think that the academy in general is very focused on um, advancing the specialty overall. So it's if we do understand that there is that secret sauce of what we bring rather than maybe one of the nurse practitioners or a physician assistant that might work with us, especially like in an inpatient setting. Um, I'm not sure I'm answering that as well as I could, but... Well, I probably didn't ask it as well as I could, but I think we're on the same yeah. page, and so I appreciate yeah. your, your addressing it. Yeah. I think, uh, Deb, that yeah. uh, 
as far as a secret sauce, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation because um, we had discussed this at the uh, expert panel uh, inpatient uh, work group mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that when you take a really complex, we as physiatrists, mm -hmm. take on a really complex inpatient, and it seems like it's an impossible job and the length of stays are really short, um, I think if you recorded all of our thought process from the moment we meet the patient to the moment they, they leave, it would be a large volume of thought and coordination, mm -hmm. right? Our secret sauces, from my perspective, are interconnectivity of how we process that information mm -hmm. and how we use that information to move all the parts so the end result is as good as it can be. Exactly. And I don't even know how you describe that, but I, we yeah. all do it all the mm -hmm. time. Right. Looking at the whole function, I'm actually thinking of, even with my world, with more outpatient, where we look at that person and you really listen to what's going on and you say, how can I make a difference in this person's quality? Like, what's the main reason that you're here and how can I help you achieve those goals? Our daughter is um, interested in physical therapy, so she's spent a couple of uh, and she's been on the other side as a patient with an ACL repair and uh, from a sports injury and two knee, two other knee surgeries. So she's sadly <laughs> been on the other side. And so she shadowed me, which was really pretty fun. And uh, she's like, Mom, you, you're not like all the other doctors. <laughs> and I think, which is true, um, <laughs> you know, thinking about like her surgeon or her sports medicine physician where they are not really listening to her. And, and I think that's what we do, right? We, we listen to what are, what, are, what are their goals and how can we help them get there? So it's a different, it's a different way of, of taking care of patients and seeing them where they are. And that's what I personally love telehealth for that reason. But well, that's our secret sauce. I don't know, we're trying to bottle it up. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, so I think one of the things that uh, has been a challenge for us as a specialty is we have we have so much diversity in patient care. Yep. And um, you know, you're primarily outpatient chronic pain. Craig is mm -hmm. specialized in brain injury and sees really complex patients and manages them. And I, I do a little bit of everything. And, um, but the challenge is then how do we organize as a critical mass? And we right. take accountability for all those subspecialties. That's been our challenge. Just the effort to mm -hmm. do that and the resources to do that. I, it's an ongoing challenge, but I'm interested yep. in your thoughts about that. Because I know sure. that you have certainly got a close glimpse at that this past year. <laughs> for sure. You know, um, Michael, as as we all know unity is certainly it's always been the biggest conundrum right the biggest uh, intrinsic challenge for the american academy of physical medicine and rehab so you've got that and um, as well as our specialty and certainly as a society i mean we're so increasingly polarized and divided so we're we're certainly experiencing this uh, cultural shift in our own way we see that on Phys Forum, we see it with board conversations and, and uh, other 
other things that we discuss. But we really, um, from an academy perspective, our services are really for the members and their individual needs, including the increased subspecialization. And we have to respond to those. So um, we believe, or I believe, that our academy is really the steward of the specialty. The board also perceives it that way. And we I believe that like the subspecialty societies are not going to advocate for PM&R the way that we do. And, but they don't have to be exclusive. So um, meaning that we would love for you to be a member of, say, AANEM or AAP or the Brain Society or whatever specialty, subspecialization. But we really want your home to be the American Academy of PM&R. And, um, and so for us, we're always trying to, we want to make sure that we demonstrate value for PM&R and as well as subspecialization. And because if you don't have a strong primary specialty, um, then we're not going to be able to help advocate for that physiatrist, whether they are a spine interventionalist, whether they're a brain injury, whether they're a peds person or cancer. So we just have to have, I guess that's my, my goal would be to increase some of that membership to make sure that we have a broader base and that people really remember that secret sauce and understand that we as the academy are really going to be the main group that's going to advocate for us. And then that will help all of the subspecialization because we're not going to be able, I don't think we're going to be able to change the subspecialization. We're talking about cancer rehab soon. And uh, so there's, it's not going to end. So um, we, I guess what's really important is we don't want to lose that support of the individual members as physiatrists and their, their love of seeing themselves as different and unique in regards to what we bring to the table, to our patients and healthcare. So I, I like seeing all the communications from the Academy at all the levels it comes yeah. through mm-hmm. because it puzzles me when someone one one of our our fellow specialists is not a member of the academy, and I think they sometimes don't always get the message that you know we advocate for you mm-hmm. in all settings. We advocate right. for reimbursement, so we there's exactly. economics that goes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically how the integration of what we do into every level of medicine, and I think sometimes it's it's always, they're always looking for that specific thing we do for them personally. Right, right. <laughs> and, and as you said, Michael, I mean, we do it for everybody, whether they're a member or not. It's for the specialty. And we might look at, I'll say, spine interventional procedures. So I have a lot of my colleagues that do them. I don't, but I'm an EMGer, so that's my little procedure. But we're all working together to make sure that everybody gets reimbursed correctly. And you with inpatient too, I mean, geez. Yeah. So. yeah, I've been mm-hmm. surprised though, uh, Dr. Venesey, in uh-huh. the feeling since I've I've only been in private practice for about four or five years, and mm-hmm. um, there definitely seems to be a perception that the AAPMNR is catering towards the academicians and the VA and larger yeah. groups with yeah, the um, kind of uh, lack of interest in the private practice solo uh, practitioners. To Mike's point, I, I don't know that I share that same perception, of course, mm-hmm. but have you felt that? Do you see it? Have you thought about how to reach out to those individuals? We do. We talk about it all of the time. And in my background, I was in private practice and at the clinic, 
I'm probably one of the few <laughs> that have been in private practice, but it's something that we we think about all of the time. And we um, there is a small private practice group, and we know that a great a great majority of Physicians that practice physical medicine and rehab are in private practice groups or small specialty groups. So that is, this is high on our, our radar and maybe we're not doing a good enough job of, ex, of explaining it, but we do actually, on the board, we actually have a number of private practice physicians. So I'm trying to think of how many. So it's not really all academic. And for me at the clinic, I'm kind of pseudo-academic. So I'm not sure if I even count. <laughs> but um, but I'm certainly, I'm an employed physician. So I think that's also the change. But yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, very, um, so we want that feedback so we can do better at making sure that we know that that's important and uh, trying to listen to those needs because that's where certainly reimbursement comes. I'm thinking at the clinic, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't get that feedback of what, what I bill. <laughs> is that the correct thing? Does it, mm-hmm. is that the right thing? When I was in private practice, I got that all the time. So I was much more aware of what I needed to do correctly to pay bills and, you know, all of those very important things. So, but yeah, please, please share that feedback with us. When we have conversations with our group members Mm -hmm. and um, Craig and I, we, we really are in a mentorship mode with some of them and Mm -hmm. mentorship being broad, like sometimes it's a colleague, Mm -hmm. colleague, colleague to colleague discussion about something that's real in their, in their work life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what um, the things that seem to help if we're going to talk about private practice, it, it's the practical day to day things. Mm-hmm. So I always want people to survive day to day and feel good about mm-hmm. what they do and meet all the challenges that we have in medicine and mm-hmm. all that. Right. Right. So whatever we can do to help them. And um, but sometimes it's hard for them to see the value of the whole organization. But I'm, I'm, when I'm mentoring someone, they call me, they text me about something, uh, you know, I've kind of, well, fortunately, I've had the advantage of seeing a bigger picture. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really an advantage and a blessing. And so I can get to the details and also mm-hmm. kind of put them into context, context of what's happening with the specialty mm-hmm. everywhere. They're not alone. Right. You know, and the academy, the academy's advocating for right. for this or they're doing that. And I remind mm-hmm. them of the specific features. So yeah. I, I think it's a day to day education. For sure. And you know, think when you were talking about that, I was thinking about like the the initial onset of the pandemic, you know, March twenty twenty one, twenty twenty, when everything closed down and nobody knew what was going on. And um it seemed like like fizz form, that was like a great use of it because everybody was like, okay, what do I do with these kind of patients? I don't know. And how do I, how do I manage practice? How do I get PPE? You know, so it was a great resource to help people get through a horrendous time. Um, a different way of mentoring <laughs> electronically, mm-hmm. but uh, a resource for, to help our colleagues. Which kind of brings me, to, yeah, brings me to why they should come to the annual assembly. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's do that then. Let's bridge right to that. <laughs> I'm kidding. We, if you have another question, we can we can hold off on that. <laughs> no, I was I was just saying, you know, I think 
we we all need to as you have illustrated we need to encourage people to to join the academy mm-hmm. and be volunteers i mean mm-hmm. i think um we both know what it's like to start early in a volunteer mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. so for mm-hmm. the early career um physicians that that craig is intimately involved in in mm-hmm. our group um to really have them step forward and yeah. be part of something and and it's they're going to grow personally and they're going to grow the specialty absolutely so I think you and I are going to ring the, ring the same bell. Yeah. It's fun. You get to meet cool people like Mike <laughs> and stay in touch. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that much time. So for an early career person, what I try to encourage our fellows, too, is, you know, just volunteer. Just you'll, you'll, you'll learn a lot more than, than you'll I, pro- I always felt like I learned a lot more than what I gave, um, which is still the case. Uh, it's been a, a, a very... Um, it's been a blast this year, so I've learned so much. But it's just, but I'm 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 a volunteer <laughs> from forever, <laughs> so and I, I I love it. So I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's just a great way to get to know and and to especially if you had issues, like if you had reimbursement questions. I mean, you you yes. learn and. Uh, and we have the, the Future Leader Program, which has been great. We have uh, 10 new leaders, young, so they're early in their career. So I think they have to be out for at least five five years or so. And just so from a leadership perspective, we're trying to increase the number of people that understand what the academy is. And we think, oh, you would be great. And a lot of them are private practice, too. So it's hard when you're in private practice. To take time away, for sure. Yes. But hopefully with the virtual component, you know, that helps. It certainly will open up mm-hmm. new uh, mm-hmm. new avenues to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we had also talked um, at the uh, through the academy committees about the, the intense demand for medical directors across mm-hmm. the country right. with all these new facilities opening up. Right. And, um, you know, but medical direction, as you know, is something you can't do right out of residency. That's my impression. You really mm-hmm. need some time to get your mm-hmm. clinical skills mm-hmm. down and your confidence up. And um, in any event, I mm-hmm. think we're going to move forward from the uh, with the academy as far as medical directors, a certificate program we discussed. Right. That's probably a good way to go right, right now, given the complexities of uh, life and work life for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm thinking, do you think we need any other type of um, training in addition to the certificate course? Like what you've been a medical director, what's you know how complicated it can get? So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the medical director, I know that we're doing that. We're going to, um, we've had other leadership programs that we might put on pause right now. But in regards to some of the STEP programs, so there's, I mean, there's other certification that's option you know that's an opportunity in regards to ultrasound spasticity and then for craig i mean this would be kind of more your area concussion so um that might help in regards to credentialing and saying hey i've done this kind of education and training and i have a certificate uh to show for that um but i yeah we're excited about the medical director we've been talking about this for years so Appreciate your help in working, moving forward with that. Yeah, Craig, you had um, some questions as well. Did anything pop up? 
on your list? So I guess my question would be, how, how does an organization like U.S. Physiatry, which has so many young and, and um, promising physicians uh, starting their career, work most effectively with AAPMNR to make sure that we get the most from our collaboration with AAPMNR and our um, younger physicians have the tools and the resources they need to maximize their potential? Well, I'm hopeful that all of your members, all of your employees are members of the AAPMNR, and you have great leadership and role models with both you and Mike. So if you guys were talking about mentorship, to me, that's probably the most important thing. Say, hey, this is how it's been valuable to me. And uh, encouraging your newer um, physiatrists to be members and maybe to try some of the committees. There's always, we're always looking for volunteers for something um, on the uh, AAPMNR. You know, we talk about burnout. I'm going to di digress a little bit, um, but that's certainly a concern for us in regards to just physician burnout at work, um, but also volunteer burnout. So, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I used to be able to do three years at a time, but oh, I can only do two years. And and we understand that. So we're really, we as the academy are, are very willing to work with whatever anybody has to give. So, and for me, from a volunteer perspective, that's kind of my um, that's my way of managing burnout is I get more joy out of volunteering because it's something different. I get to meet other people, see what's going on across the country, different than what's going on in Northeast Ohio. Um, and that helps me be a better physician. <clears throat> the one, you know, perspective I've had working with our organization is this is going to seem very simplistic, mm -hmm. but we have, our country is huge. It is. To, to really organize <laughs> health care. Yeah. Um, it's actually humbled me um, in how challenging it is to have an organization, a medical organization that spans all, all the, st many, many states. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I guess I say that because it's just, it's just a big challenge for, sure. for us all. And, yeah. uh, and we have so many patients in need. That's right. the other thing that comes to my right. mind when I yeah. when I think of what we're doing. Yeah, and especially, I mean, you guys are in, I don't know how many states, but you would see it also because medicine is practiced differently in every state. There, I mean, it's the rules and, you know, what people might be doing is, is different across the country. It's yeah. challenging. I think, you know, AP and... and and certainly my experience with U.S. physiatry mm -hmm. is that our, our job really is to uh, help to give physiatrists all of the, you know, the knowledge and the expertise and important experience, mm -hmm. but give them some leverage mm -hmm. uh, in their situations as well. Because right. I think as physicians, we all feel it's become physicians against you know, mm -hmm. uh, not against, but physicians and healthcare system. There's this kind of mm -hmm. give and take, especially in rehabilitation, right? Because mm -hmm. we always want more resources for our patients right. Right. and we're not always on the top of the list. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that, you know, um, it's what the Academy does. And I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of like the salesperson here because you don't have to be, <laughs> it's not your role, <laughs> but the Academy helps to bond, bond the specialty to give us leverage in many different levels on how we, and our ability to practice physical medicine and rehabilitation in 
the best way possible, right? It's Absolutely. a constant, constant mm-hmm. fight. So, Absolutely. Uh, and I, I'm sure you agree. Um, the one question uh, before we head to to Baltimore, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you is, so when you come away from your presidential year, and and again, we can't thank you enough because it's a, oh. a large time and energy it commitment. <laughs> it's a wonderful year and it's so action packed. But when you come away from that, you, you come away a different, really a different physician, a different individual. Mm-hmm. And, but you're still doing patient care. And I'm wondering if you had to say, how has this year changed you? Like when, you, when you've done what you've done for the specialty and then you go to the bedside, mm-hmm. what, what do you bring with it? Because you'll be a different person. Uh. I was, I've been thinking about that because you shared that question, and I'm not, I'm sure you'd have to ask my husband, but aside from, um, I'm not sure it's changed me from what I do with my patients. I've been, I'm a clinician. I really haven't, I've cut back a little bit in my patient care, but I really see patients all week long. I'm, so I'm not an administrator. Um, I can tell you that I am certainly, I've always, I'm always, always very proud of being a physiatrist. And I'll say it that way because that's how I was trained by Ernie Johnson at The Ohio State University. And um, I am super, I'm more proud. And I am, as you said, I work in the Neurologic Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. So I'm at an area where it's very heavy into neurology. And then I'm in the center for spine. So people, my patients will say, well, what are you? (laughs) And I tell them. So I think I'm much more, I'm more apt to initiate that conversation about what it is that I am. So what my specialty is, uh, rather than just saying I'm a spine doctor. So I think that for sure over the past year has made made me more acutely aware of spreading the gospel of PM&R. And um, I, I certainly am much more aware of the complexity of healthcare, uh, the challenges that we all face with uh, the economy right now, um, all of that. So um, I, I feel like I've always seen my patients where they are, but I'm much more willing to I, I'm much more to say, hey, I'm a physiatrist and my specialty is physical medicine rehab and might not I might say to under my breath that I'm better than a neurologist, but I think that I I have periodically, but you know, because they always think I'm a neurologist. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm better, right? <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> with certain few people. No arguments here. You have the last word on that. That's gonna <laughs> definitely give you the last word on that. Before we go, I have one last question I have to get in, Dr. Venesey. Sure, Craig. I'm actually a native of the north side of Youngstown. Uh, my sister oh, no lives in Westlake. Where do you oh, go for wow. pizza? <laughs> mm. Gosh, I am not trying to, I think for Donato's people. Okay. And Mike, if you have extra time, there is a Youngstown yep. transplant, one of my paisans, Roberto Della Quadri, who has a pizza joint there in oh. Dublin. If you get some time, it's really pretty good. Uh, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, you can text me the name of that, please. Yes. <laughs> All right. So as a, as a native of Youngstown, are you a Browns fan or a Steelers fan? Oh, I'm not answering after last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised a Steelers fan. I'm not a huge NFL fan, but uh, yeah. my father and, you know, with 
our, our son. So we have been lifelong uh, growing. Our kids grew up here mm-hmm. and uh, we've been brown season tickets holder very very challenging <laughs> and uh and our son is a Steelers fan and I think it's because you know <laughs> they have not done as well uh the Browns per se yeah, but yeah. yes last night was pretty exciting so <laughs> we were excited so we can we can the Browns actually beat the Steelers so that's what we have to share <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but not too loudly in Pennsylvania so right I know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so goodness. let's get to the annual meeting. Craig, unless yeah. you had anything be- else before we go there? I got my most yeah. important question in, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's true. You'll have um, to give me some recommendations for pizza up here. Sure. So yes, let's, why should everybody come to Baltimore? I mean, it's Baltimore's located well. We're in the middle of the Mid-Atlantic corridor. There's a lot of physiatrists around. What should well, we... What should we Why? say? Why? Because we have not been together in three years, for heaven's sakes. Absolutely. And um, we are, I mean, really, we are very, very excited about coming together. I mean, it's its funny when you say, gosh, you know, we're excited to go to a meeting. Who would have said that before? But we really haven't seen each other in three years. I mean, it's yeah. been a hellacious uh past couple of years. And I, I just want to, you know, the the speakers, I want to just share a little bit about them. They are um, in my last editorial. I talked a little bit about the three speakers, but they really are all um, leaders that are courageous and are are really cool people. So Byron Pitts will be with me on Thursday. He's an ABC Nightline co-anchor. He's um, he's from Baltimore. He's a fantastic speaker. I have heard him. And a little side note, he's actually a personal friend of mine from college. So he's the only famous person I know. So God love him for, for coming. He's, he's just fantastic. He's got a great story. Very... Um, very humble, cool guy. And then Iko Bathia works with one of um, my my loves, Brene Brown. She is also has her own consulting business. So we're going to do, I'm going to be very vulnerable again. I'm going to be doing a fireside chat with her on Saturday. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But she's, she's really a very, very neat lady. We'll be talking about pushing past limiting beliefs to become innovators and leaders in our own workplace. So we'll also discuss burnout. And then on Saturday, we have Dr. Okanlami or Dr. O, and he is a practicing physician at the University of Michigan. And he has got a great TED talk too, if you ever have a chance to watch, watch him. He is a a gentleman that has a spinal cord injury. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Fantastic. He's going to bring one of his fellows with him too. So that'd be cool. So we're going to talk about adaptive sports. Um, But there's going to be over 400 speakers. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Um, 80 clinical symposia, 11 learning center sessions, 10 skills labs. Really, the reason to come is just to see everybody too. There's nothing like networking in person I don't know. It just being able to share stories, be able to present your own poster, get excited, look at what new jobs there are. Maybe there's something for for us with you or you as physiatry. 
Um, I know you guys always, you guys will have a booth, right? Yes. Yes, we will. So we have a great uh, job fellowship fair. So easy to get to. We're going to have a fun fall fest or October fest. Wow. Sounds amazing. Sounds so yeah. great. I'm a big Benet Brown uh, fan. A big, Don't you? huge. Oh, yeah. she's just, I just, I'm like a groupie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I want to meet this woman. Uh, but uh, she just seems very down to earth. And uh, yeah, I love her. So, yeah. We yes. have one of, one of our, our group members um, was contemplating coming to the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Oh. Sam Kafari. Uh-huh. And he, he called me because it was a big move. He was in Atlanta and we had a, yeah. a heart to heart conversation. And I, mm-hmm. and then I told him to download the call to courage. Yeah. One of her books and listen mm-hmm. to it on his flight up to Cleveland. And it mm-hmm. convinced him to make the move and step forward and take a chance. So oh, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's fabulous. Sounds like an amazing lineup of, of yeah. Great, yeah, they're... great speakers. Yeah. Yeah, they're all good. So, <clears throat> well, thank you so much, You're Deb, welcome. Dr. Deb uh, Venice. Dr. Deb is good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone at, at the uh, Baltimore Assembly. And thank you so much for taking your time. I uh, know things are just catapulting towards yeah. uh, Baltimore, but we <laughs> it's amazing. it was delightful having you on the, on our podcast. And yeah. we're so happy that you're at the hel- have been at the helm of our our specialty leadership this year. Thank Thank you so much from all of us. Thank you. Yeah, I'm most grateful for your time and uh, the opportunity just to, to be with you, your special people. So thanks. We'll see everyone in Baltimore. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.